Well, everybody, welcome to episode 215 of the Ankeny Fanatic Weekly Podcast. As always, is brought to our good friends at Coldwell Banker Mid-America. Coldwell Banker is rooted in the legacy of our founder, renowned businessman and philanthropist Marvin Pomeranz. We continue to tell his story through our love of people, homes, and the communities we serve. Our integrity guides are focused to empower people to make the best real estate decisions possible. We pair local ownership and knowledge with the power of an international brand and the most advanced technology to elevate the customer experience and expectations. Our network of resources allows us to be the number one Coldwell Banker franchise affiliate in Iowa, guiding you home for over 30 years. All right, well, we're going to talk a lot of postseason hoops today. In a little while, I'll be visiting with Ankeny Centennial girls basketball coach Scott DeYoung, and we'll preview the Jaguars' Class 5A semifinal showdown against Johnston on Thursday. And I'll also have a special guest on at the end of the podcast. But right now, my first guest is the head coach of the 10th-ranked Centennial boys basketball squad. Last night, he guided his team to a 54-47 win over number 8 Cedar Falls in a Class 4A substate final at Marshalltown, allowing the Jaguars to qualify for state for the second time in school history. Here's Bob Fontana. Bob, thanks for joining me. How you doing? I'm doing good, Dan. Anytime you uh, win get the state tournament, it's a great day. Oh, for sure. Well, congratulations on the win. You know, what an exciting game. It was really all about the defensive effort, wasn't it? Oh, you know, it was. You know, both teams, first, what, three, four minutes of the game, I thought, is anybody going to stop anybody? And then they spurred it on us, and they went up by eight at the quarter. Then they scored again and went up by ten. I got a timeout, and after that, I thought we did a, an outstanding job defensively. We have Cedar Falls jumped out to that uh, 22 to 12 lead uh, behind sophomore guard Anthony Galvin. He had uh, three three-pointers and scored 13 points in the first quarter. That matched his season average. Uh, but he entered the game with 46 threes and was shooting better than 40% from behind the arc. So I guess it wasn't a total surprise that he was able to do that, was it? No, it wasn't. It just, it was, you know, they, they all happened. Geez, it was just like, you know, <laughs> in machine gun fashion, I was just like, and, and two or three of them, you know, he drove hard and then he, we, you know, stopped him and he stepped back and it was hitting step back threes and those are tough shots tough shots and then the one he hit at the end of the half was like a, a caitlin clark logo shot for sure well yeah you guys rallied and you closed the gap to 24 to 23 before he did hit another three there at the buzzer and that gave a cedar falls a four point lead at the half and i'm sure you would have felt better better if he had missed that shot but it did kind of seem like you guys had figured some things out in the second quarter and the, the momentum had kind of shifted a little bit so did you feel pretty good about where you were at at the break um, yes, overall, other than that shot that he made at the end of the, you know, the half there, I thought we, you know, made some corrections um, defensively in, in the second quarter, and, and I felt a little bit better about where we were heading going into the half, so, and then we just made two adjustments at halftime, and obviously they paid off down the road. We had Drew Shears and uh, Connor Welsh then held uh, Galvin to six points in the second half, and they all came late in the game after your team had taken a double-digit lead. You know, so those two guys were just tremendous, weren't they? They were, you know, and, and you know, hats off to those two guys. I mean, all of our kids, but, um, you, know, you know, I challenged Drew at halftime, and I said, hey, you're a senior, and I said, you know, we're, we're going to see what you can do here, and I'm taking a little bit of a risk because uh, you don't always, you know, get assigned the toughest assignments, um, but he accepted that challenge. And I just told him and Connor, I said, I'm going to rotate you two on him every, you know, two or three minutes. And, and like I said, it, it paid off. And then uh, Nick Vasky had a great all-around game. He scored 11 points, about two more than his average. He grabbed a team-high 10 rebounds, and he held uh, Cedar Falls' leading scorer, Dallas Bear, to just seven points. That's 13 below his average. I mean, what can you say about his overall performance? Well, that's the thing. You know, so you, you look at what Welsh and Schurz did on Galvin in the second half. And then, you know, Nick's, Nick's job on, on Dallas Bear was just phenomenal. You know, he was at a five-inch height disadvantage, and it didn't matter 
uh, where Bear was trying to get the ball, and when he did get it, how Nick just you know walled him off and kept him from getting where he wanted to get to his spots, and and then when Nick needed a breather, so you know then I then I put uh, Shuddy or Pratt on him, and so I thought those three guys uh, did a phenomenal job on Bear, but uh, you know the majority of the work was by Nick. Yeah, I don't know what his final shooting stats were, but boy, he missed some shots and he missed some bad, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, he did. And I said, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I thought our position was great on him. I thought we were taking away his angles. I thought we were walling up on him. And, and so we made it very tough on him because uh, as the game wore on, he looked like he was getting tired. And that's why I just kept, you know, going at him and rotating guys on him and, and um, making him work just to, just to get touches. Well, in the previous game, Vasky held Iowa City West Jack McCaffrey to a season-low three points. And Nick told me after the game last night that he really relishes his role as a defensive stopper. Uh, but he's also sure to re uh, credit his teammates as well because, you know, it's really a team effort, isn't it? Oh, it's definitely a team effort. You know, <clears throat> you get a guy like Nick who accepts that challenge and, and he wants to wants those big assignments. Um, and it's one thing to have a guy deny somebody and keep them in their spots. But, you know, when they do... When someone like that does catch a ball, you got to make sure your teammates are in great help position. And, and I, I call it the foxhole theory. Like back in the World War II, you got the guy looking out the front of the foxhole. Well, your teammates better have your back. So, you know, we always talk about position and vision, and that was huge last night. And then offensively, you guys uh, struggled a little bit in the first half as Cedar Falls was doubling Luke Winkle in an effort uh, to get the ball out of his hands. And I think it took you guys a little while to adjust to that strategy. Uh, Luke had just four points at the half, but then he erupted for uh, 15 in the second half, including eight in a row during one stretch in the third quarter. You know, and that was pretty much the ball game right there. You know, Luke is just so steady out there. He never seems to get rattled, rattle, does he? No, and, and you know, it, we practice, you know, him getting double teamed and trapped. But it, it's one thing when you practice that, you know, and then you're going against that um, in a game. And uh, we're, we're talking about, you know, Luke and Nick and some of our other guys, but I want to credit our scout team, too. They've just been outstanding this year, especially the last few weeks of giving us the great looks that we want. And it's one thing to simulate or emulate a team's, you know, offensive sets, but our guys' scout team – they, they try to make it really tough on our guys defensively in practice, too. So I'll, my hat's off to those guys as well. Had you seen a team this year that kind of defend you the way that they did last night? Um, yeah, yes. I mean, you go back at, at certain games this year, and every team's got, you know, d different schemes. And, and But I, I think about, like, Waukee, for example, when they put length on, on uh, Luke with Omaha Blue, uh, you know, something like that. Um, or if they're... Uh, trapping him or if they're icing ball screens or if it's a, you know, a hard switch. So we practice all those, uh, you know, schemes that we could be going against. So, you know, you go back and you look at each team and teams do it a little bit differently, but I think the, the intent's the same to try to keep him in front of you. And what we try to do is just, we try to work on, you know, what can we run that will combat that. And I thought in the second half we did a good job of that too. I thought our spacing was really good in the second half. And we had great ball movement, <clears throat> very little dribbling, a lot more ball movement. Um, in the first half I thought we settled a little bit early. So, but we did a lot better job in the second half. 
Well, you mentioned uh, Waukee and Omaha Baloo. Uh, after the game, your son-in-law, Matt, told me that he thought he had the state tournament pairings figured out and that you guys would be the seventh seed playing number two Waukee in the quarterfinals. But I found out on the way home, and I'm sure you did too, uh, that you're actually the sixth seed. Uh, you'll be playing the three seed in Waukee Northwest. So I'm guessing that the difference there was the outcome of the Pleasant Valley versus uh, Dubuque senior game uh, because Pleasant Valley won that one. So that uh, moved you guys up to six, right? Correct, yeah, because going by the new rankings, what they did, um, Ames was was uh, like a spot or two ahead of of uh, Pleasant Valley, and so that's why Ames drew the seventh seed and PV got the eighth seed, um, and, and that bumped us up to six. So. Well, on paper, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of difference between the six and seven seeds. Uh, the two Waukee schools both have uh, just two losses. And if you're able to win your first round matchup, you're probably going to have to play the other Waukee school, you know, regardless in the semifinals. Uh, your team, of course, lost twice to both of those squads. So, so did you have any preference at all as to who you played or are you just, you know, happy to be there? Well, yeah, you know, we, we just wanted to get there, um, you know. And I, I know a lot of coaches would attest to this, but, you know, you want to get there and anything can happen once you get down there. Um, you know, I, I've seen eight seed, well, just in the girls tournament the other day, an eight seed beat a one seed, you know, um, and, uh, there, there's been many teams win state championships on the boys end that were the fifth, sixth, seventh seeds. So it's, you know, it doesn't matter what draw we're going to have that, that field is loaded. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we, we played PV this summer, so I know a little bit about them. Um, and you know, Ames is playing real well right now, and everybody knows what both Waukees and Valley have. And Kennedy's just, I mean, Kennedy's deep. They're, they're, they got size, they got quickness, and so it's it's a loaded field. Oh, for sure. Well, obviously, it was going to be a huge challenge either way for you guys. Uh, you did have a big comeback in your game at Waukee early in the season when you lost by only three points. Uh, both of your meetings against uh, Northway, uh, Northwest did get away from you in the second half. Uh, the Wolves pulled away for a 56-42 to 42 win at Centennial on January 3rd, and then they won the rematch at their place 74-48 to 48 on February 10th. Uh, they're currently riding an eight-game winning streak, and every one of those games has been decided by double digits, uh, and they did advance to state for the second straight year uh, last night with a 73-62 to 62 win over Roosevelt. I mean, there's a reason why they've been ranked in the top three all year. They're just really good, aren't they? Yeah, they are. You know, <clears throat> when we played them the first time, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we, we played really good defense against them, and we, we couldn't we couldn't score. You know, we we missed some open shots, and then the second time we played them, we couldn't stop them. And so, you know, we got to get things figured out. So, but I know that our our guys' minds are in the right place, and. Um, we just need to keep doing what we've been doing and, and be the best version of ourselves. Well, when you talk about Northwest, you've got to start with Price Sanford. Uh, the Iowa recruit had uh, 28 points and 11 rebounds in both of the games against your team. And I'm sure he's seen every kind of defense imaginable this year, but he's, he still averages more than three assists per game. So he knows how to find his teammates uh, when he does get double teamed. Now, I don't know if you've had enough time to even think about your strategy yet, but is there really anything that you can do to slow him down or do you just kind of have to hope that he has an off night? Maybe we'll hope that he's sick. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's good. I mean, he he's a very he's got a high IQ and and uh, you know he's he's very versatile. Um, so we'll, we'll just try to do our best. We'll try to figure out something that we just try to um, keep him under wraps the best we can, and then you know then just hope that the other guys aren't are knocking down shots at a high rate. Well, Northwest certainly has some other weapons. Uh, Cade Kelderman uh, matched Sanford with 22 points last night, and Grant Tickus added 12, and both of those guys are also averaging in double figures. So you probably have to be careful about, you know, which defenders you have help out on Sanford, don't you? Well, yeah, you do. And like I said, they, they've got the, the other two guys you just mentioned. Those guys are nice players. Um, 
you know, Kelderman's a really, really good guard. I'm a little surprised he hasn't gotten more looks from, you know, maybe some mid-majors. Because mm-hmm. um, I, think, I think he's a really good player. Oh, he is. He's a very heady player. And, uh, um, but, you know, yeah, you're right. You, you've got to be careful on how you, who you help off of and that and uh, what you do. And so, um, again, I, I, think, I think part of being very good defensively against them is being smart offensively and taking, you know, good, good shots and having quality possessions. Because if you have bad offensive possessions, then it could lead to bad defensive possessions. And, and honestly, the <clears throat> over there, uh, the last time we played them, we had some we had some bad offensive possessions, and it led to bad defensive possessions for us. Well, yeah, as much of a challenge as it is to defend them, you know, it's as big of a challenge trying to figure out how to score against them. Uh, you guys were held to under 50 points just five times this year, and two of those games, you know, were the losses to the Wolves. Uh, Winkle had 14 points in both games, but he went a combined 12 for 32 from the field, and that's well below his season shooting percentage of 48.4. Now, I only saw the first game against Northwest. I'm trying to remember how they defended Luke. Did they primarily have Kelderman on him, or did they sometimes use Sanford as well? Um, no, they, they had Kelderman, and then they... Um um, if I remember, I'd have to go back and check. Geez, that's the first game back after Christmas. But uh, had Kelderman on him, and then when he needed a blow, or he, which was not very often, then they put one of their other kids on him. Um, but no, um, Sanford was on on a couple of our other guys, like Shuddy or or um, Evan Brand. I didn't know if they ever tried to use you know his length to try to slow Luke right, down. Yeah. But. Uh, well, I'm sure Northwest will be highly motivated. Uh, they entered last year's tournament with championship uh, aspirations, I'm sure. Uh, they had split a pair of games with the eventual champs from Ames. But Sanford, as I remember, had a little bit of an ankle injury. And, and I know he just wasn't quite himself in that quarterfinal loss to Cedar Rapids Kennedy. You know, it, it's going to be a, a huge task for you guys. But I know your, your guys won't be intimidated. A couple of them told me after the game last night that they were looking forward to playing whoever. <laughs> yeah, you know what, our, our guys, you know, you look at our games this year and uh, win or lose some of the comebacks we've had. And our guys have done a really good job of uh, understanding why they've been put in that position. And not that we want to be put in that position, but, um, you know, we've got off to some great starts. We got off to some not gr- so great starts. But, uh, you know, the thing is, is I just keep telling them, hey, you, you just got to chip away when you get down like that, chip away. You know, you got we got the shot clock now, so it's not like you got to try to, you know. Um, what, I always tell them, hey, there's no such thing as a six or eight point shot. So just chip away and be the best version of ourselves, and let's let's figure out what we need to do to get better. And they've done a great job with that. Well, I'm sure you guys relish that role, you know, as, as an underdog. And basketball is a funny game sometimes. I mean, look at what Iowa did at Indiana last night. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Well, you know what? Well, it's interesting you say that. I just said that to a couple of my assistants a little bit ago. I said, you look at that score last night. Well, look what they did against Michigan State. How many points they scored in the last minute 50, you know? Just crazy. Yeah. Well, you guys won a combined uh, 7 of 45 from three-point range in the two games against Northwest, and that, that's barely above 15% shooting from behind the arc. Uh, for the season, you guys have been much better than that, hitting at about a 34.4% clip. I mean, obviously, you guys are going to have to make some shots to have a chance, aren't you? Yeah, yeah you do. You, you have to make shots, you know. Um, I always talk about to our guys, <clears throat> we have to defend, we have to rebound, take care of the ball, but we have to make shots. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can get that done. 
Well, Bob, you touched briefly on some of the other teams in the field, and I, I wanted to get a few thoughts from you, you know, on some of the other matchups. Uh, unbeaten Cedar Rapids Kennedy, your old school is the number one seed, and they will open up against uh, Pleasant Valley. Uh, they would be on a collision course with number four Valley in the semifinals uh, if the Tigers uh, can beat Norwalk. And then the winner of your game would play either Waukee or the defending champs Ames in the semifinals. Now, we already discussed your matchup and what you guys have to do to pull off an upset, but do you feel like any of those other lower seeds, you know, have a puncher's chance? You know, um, I... I just remember a little bit about Pleasant Valley um, when we played him this summer. And, you know, I, I know Kennedy's, um, some of their kids, and I, I watched them play against Valley, and obviously I know their coaches real well. Um, I don't see Pleasant Valley beating them. Um, and then that Norwalk uh, Valley game, I would say, you know, Norwalk is, is somewhat of a surprise just because, you know, People, maybe some people forget about them because they're a little Hawkeye, but they just keep winning. And, um, you know, I haven't seen one second of tape on them, okay? Um, I'll worry about that if the time comes, but um, obviously they're playing very well together um, and they're doing what they have to do to win. You know, you look at some of their scores, some, some nights it's in the mid-40s to... Low, low 50s, and some nights it's up into the mid 60s. So, um, obviously, they looks like they can play at any pace. So, you know, that there, there might be a chance there for them. You know, you never know. Like, Valley's got very, very talented sophomores, obviously, but you never know how you never know how young kids like that are going to react in that vi environment. But you know, Norwalk's kids have never been there either. Um, you know, then you, you, you take like Waukee, you know, Omaha's been there before. Um, Littlefield was, he dressed out mm -hmm. a couple years ago on their state championship team. So they, you know, they've got a little bit of taste of that, that environment. Um, so, and you know, obviously Ames does too. Oh, sure. And so, you know, it, could Ames get them? Ames is really, really good defensively. And geez, the way they, they've exploded offensively at times lately. Um, again, I've seen funny things happen down there before. So, well, and I know Waukee and Northwest were the consensus one and two teams going into the season, but Kennedy has kind of quietly put together a perfect season. You know, if you can do that, uh, they showed a couple of weeks ago with the win at Valley that they could beat, you know, one of the other top teams on the road, even though I know uh, Curtis Stinson uh, was injured and didn't play for the Tigers in that game. And I guess we'll find out for sure next week, but you know, I I'm sure you feel like Kennedy is for real, aren't they? Well, yeah, they are, and, and you know, and I don't want to put words in their mouth or speak for them or anything like that. But I'll just go to this last night um, visiting with Ryan Schultz, the uh, the Cedar Falls coach. Cause I've known him quite a while. Obviously, you know, coaching against him um, when I was at Kennedy, and um, one of the things he said to me, he said, "Man, he goes, you guys are scheduling your leagues just brutal." And I said, "Yeah," I said, "We're battle tested," and he didn't come out and say it word for word, but. He was just saying, uh, he said, man, your, your league's really, really deep. And um, I, I think that uh, the Mississippi Valley, I think the top four or five teams are really good, but I, I, th I don't think the league is as deep as it used to be years ago. So um, I'll, I'll say this. I think the four CIML teams, you know, the, the league's, the league, excuse me, the league schedule we've played this year is definitely prepared us for a state tournament. Well, look at the girls' tournament. They have three teams in the semifinals. You know, one of them can certainly win it. So. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. And then, you know, you know, here's the deal, too. Like, 
if uh, a lot of people thought Johnston might come out of that sub state that Norwalk was in, so we could have had five teams in the state tournament. Sure. Well, it should be a fun tournament. Looking forward to it. I'll see you down there next week, Bob, and good luck. All right. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. You bet. All right, my next guest is the head coach of the sixth-ranked Ankeny Centennial girls basketball team. And on Monday, he guided his team to a 60-51 win over number three Waterloo West in the Class 5A quarterfinals at Wells Fargo Arena. The Jaguars improved to 18-6 on the season while avenging last year's quarterfinal loss to West. He's Scott Dion. Coach, thanks for joining me. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, you bet. Well, congratulations on Monday's win. I mostly want to look ahead to Thursday's semifinals, but I did want to touch briefly on that uh, first game. You know, that was such a huge challenge for your squad going against uh, two of the state's best players in Sahara Williams and Haley Polk. You know, but your girls certainly did what they had to do in terms of defense and the rebounding effort, you know, to get the job done, didn't they? Yeah, we did. Um, they've got an outstanding team and led by those two players. And I thought our team was really focused in on what we wanted to do. And, um, Kind of slow start, but once we got going, we never looked back. So real proud and happy of how we played. I, I hadn't thought we hadn't peaked out yet, especially on the offensive end. And we've had some really good practices. And, um, yeah, just really excited about how we played Monday. Well, it certainly helped your cause that the McDonald's All-American Williams got into some foul trouble and eventually fouled out. Uh, she was held to just 11 points on four or 15 shooting. Did you guys do anything special to, to attack her at the defensive end to contribute to that, or did she just kind of pick up some of those fouls randomly? Well, she had one offensive foul, and, um, you know, Jaden Pratt was the primary um, responsibility for guarding her, and she's guarded players like that all season. Not, not all Americans like that, but mm -hmm. really good players, and she's a really competitive athlete, and we thought that was a good matchup for us. And, um, you know, Jaden had two fouls, too, in the first half, so um, I just think it was a good matchup, and our team defense, our help defense was really, really good. Um, that helped as well. Well, I don't know if you got a chance to see very much of the other games on Monday. I thought we might have four really good games, but the other top seeds all won handily by an average of 17 points. Uh, that leaves your team as the lowest remaining seed of the four semifinalists. You know, so the challenges ahead are only going to be tougher. But I'm guessing your girls probably kind of like being in that under, underdog role, don't they? Well, I think a lot, you know, looking back at our 2016 team and a lot of our teams that were state champions, we came in not as the favorite, that's for sure. So... Um, a lot of it is how you're playing. Ankeny boys had it a couple years ago, and, you know, you get on a run. It doesn't take many games to, to do it. You know, we just got two left. So, yeah, I think we're in a great position. We're, we're more than excited to be playing. And, um, yeah, we got Johnson. We played him tough a couple times. So um, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, you guys will face number two Johnston, uh, the defending champs, on Thursday at 10 a.m. Uh, the Dragons advanced with a 70-48 win over Southeast Polk, another CIML conference team. Uh, they defeated the Rams for the third time this season, and now they're going to try to do that against uh, your team as well. You know, they were just really impressive the other day, weren't they? Well, they've got, they've got a great team. I mean, there's no weak spots there. They've um, got so many good players, and they're well coached. And um, I think, you know, that's what makes them so good. There's... Nobody can help off of like we were doing Monday. So it's a different game plan. And, um, uh, yeah, they're, they're really, really good for a reason. They've got great coach and they've got great players. It's well, a yeah. tough combination. Well, yeah. <laughs> they've won uh, 49 of their last uh, 50 games. After going undefeated last year, they extended their winning streak to 42 games before dropping a 62-48 to 48 decision at Dowling on January 20th. And uh, now the Maroons are obviously on a roll themselves. They've won 17 in a row. But have you, have you had a chance to watch that game to see what they were able to do that was so effective? Well, I think they got into foul trouble, and um, there are a lot of stars walking in the in right now. So, um, they got into some foul trouble. You know, we had the same thing at Dowling. So um, I think Riley was in foul trouble, and that puts them a little bit sideways. Riley's just a great, great player. She's a great defender, great offensive player, and 
you know, it got rolling against them, I think. So, um, you know, it's been a, quite a while ago. So if we can get them in foul trouble, that would certainly help. Oh, yeah. Well, I was hoping to have uh, Johnston coach Chad Jillick on the podcast today, but we just weren't able to work out the logistics. I wanted to ask him if he thought maybe, you know, that loss uh, might have been good for his team. Of course, you had a team back at Ankeny in 2004 and five that was able to complete an unbeaten season. And I'm sure the girls on that team felt some pressure to keep that winning streak going, you know, as well as the fact that, you know, you guys were going for an unprecedented four straight title. Uh, this Johnston team was trying to go unbeaten for a second straight year. And now, of course, that dream has been dashed, but they've responded with seven straight wins, you know, including an overtime time victory against uh, your team back on January 27th you know so it doesn't appear that that one loss affected them too much did it well I think you play it however it works out you know if, if you lose it's good and if you don't lose you, you I think that's good I mean because you don't you don't want that that feeling you know you want you want to keep winning I think that's one thing that Johnson has they won so much they expect to win I think that's helped them in a lot of the close games that we've had with them so um, just something you got to overcome. But um, they certainly played well, and um, we played well too. So it, hopefully it's a great matchup. Well, the Dragons are seeking their third title in four years. Uh, that 2020 squad was led by Maya, Maya McDermott. Uh, Anna Gosling was a starter on that team. And then last year, she kind of took over one of the leadership roles along with Jada Gimphy. Uh, two of the starters are back from that uh, team uh, last year, Eileen uh, Tanky and Aaliyah Riley. Uh, the biggest addition to this year's team has been freshman guard Jenica Lewis. And she's really been a difference maker, hasn't she? Well, I mean, yes, she has. I mean, it's it's odd that you have a player that good and then she's somebody that you talk about like third or fourth right. or, or whatever the case might be. But um, yeah, they're just loaded with talent. They're just they're they're just loaded with talent. I mean, and I give Chad a lot of credit. He's able to mold them together into a team. That's not easy to do when you have um, outstanding players like that. Well, your team has lost to Johnston uh, three times over the last two years. But, you know, the good news is that all the games were decided by single digits. Uh, they posted a 46 to 40 win at Centennial on December 13th. Uh, you guys actually out-rebounded them that night by 42 to 28, but you just couldn't make enough shots. He shot just 27.5%. Uh, and then in the rematch at Johnston, your team held a seven-point lead uh, with less than three minutes left before uh, Johnston rallied to force overtime. And then it became kind of a battle of attrition. Uh, you lost four players uh, who fouled out, and they eventually prevailed 66 to 59. But your girls certainly have to feel you know, especially after that last game, that not only can they play with them, but they can beat them. Oh, I think there's no doubt that our kids know they can beat them. Um, I think they also know that just because we played them close twice doesn't mean we're going to do it tomorrow. So, um, you know, that complicates it a little bit. But I think we're, we have a confident team. Um, we've battled them tooth and nail, and um, they're not the same team they were earlier in the season, and neither are we. But I think, you know, we probably haven't changed a lot, and you get these conference rivalries in the state tournament, you know, typically they're really, really hard fought games. I just hope it's a well played game. We had an outstanding crowd, probably the best student crowd of all my 30 years here, uh, or one of them um, for a first round game for sure. And Johnson had a great crowd. I think it'll be a real exciting atmosphere, a, a lot, a lot of fun. And we're just gonna try to really enjoy it. And um, I'm really confident that our team will play well. I think we will. Well, you mentioned playing a conference opponent when, when two teams know each other as well as you do. There really isn't really isn't any secrets, is there? <laughs> well, I don't. I think they know they don't have to practice zone defense, and we haven't either. And you know, we you, the game is such a quick turnaround, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of surprises. And um, what I do think a surprise might be typically is somebody that's unexpected comes up and has a really great game, and uh, we've had that you know over the years a lot. So. Um, that's what I would look for, that, you know, there's some unsung hero there that might creep up and think, wow, they had a really good game, and sometimes that's enough to make a difference. 
Well, you mentioned your 2016 uh, team earlier, the team that won the state championship. Uh, because your team has been in this position before, playing a, a powerhouse Johnston squad at the state tournament, uh, back that year you guys reached the final against uh, Johnston, which had defeated your squad by 20 points during the regular season. Uh, but you guys were able to avenge that loss with a 46-42 to 42 win, and that allowed Centennial to capture the first state title in school history. So is that something you've mentioned to your team, or maybe your assistant to coach Rachel Henders, who was on that Johnston team, and maybe she's mentioned it, huh? We don't talk about that much, uh -huh. to be honest, in fairness to Rachel. Um, you know, that, that was, I think there was maybe some similarities there. Um, I think, I've, I thought all year long that this team ha is very competitive, they have a lot of heart. It's been a really fun team to coach, and um, you know, it's been a little bit of building, but I, I do think we have some of the same ingredients where it's, we got some toughness, we, we compete really hard. And when you get on stage like that in the final four, those are things that can make a difference, and, and that's what we hope. And that would be certainly a similarity that that 2016 team had. They, they just played their best at the state tournament. They competed hard, and they played for each other. And, um, you know, the result was certainly uh, a lot of fun. Well, you, you kind of touched on this earlier, but, you know, unlike the other day when you were able to focus most of your defensive attention on West's uh, two best players, you can't really do that against Johnston. You know, they have a really balanced team, kind of like your squad, and I'm sure that makes them tough to defend. They, they basically have four girls who average in double figures. Uh, Emma Hampton gives them a presence down low, and, and Tanky is both an inside and an outside threat. You know, and then you have Lewis and Riley. That gives them a lot of athleticism on the perimeter and in the open court. And that's a lot of weapons that you have to deal with. But I know you guys, you know, pride yourselves on your defense, and, and, and you have some players like Maya and Jaden with a lot of athletic ability too that it seems like you guys match up with them pretty well I think we do and like you said they probably have five kids that are capable of scoring 20 points I mean or more you know I mean and it's just really phenomenal how good they are how you know skilled and 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 athletic but you know we pride ourselves on on being able to play a high brand of defense and you know, it's been elite at some point, and it's going to have to be tomorrow to s slow them down a little bit. On the other side of that, you know, you got to score some points too because they're so prolific that you're not going to hold them down, you know, all game long. So, um, you know, you got to limit your turnovers. You got to only give them one shot. That's huge. And, you know, hope you're making some shots on the other end. Well, I know you aren't focused on the other semifinal game, but if you guys are able to pull out the win, then I'm sure you'll have a lot more interest in, in that game. Uh, unbeaten Pleasant Valley, uh, the number one seed, will face number four Dowling in the second game. And I'm just curious how you see that matchup. I mean, that should get, be a good one too, shouldn't it? Oh, I really think it will be. You know, um, we played Waterloo West, and they play the same similar defense as Pleasant Valley. Um, it's called the Buzz. It's an extended 2-3 zone. It's different. So mm -hmm. um, it could cause Dowling a little bit of trouble because it's hard to penetrate and that's one thing that Dowling's been able to do with Zedeker is really drive to the basket. You don't see a lot of zone in our conference. There's a lot of tough, hard, man-to-man, -man, aggressive physical defense. So it'll be a little bit different challenge for Dowling, but they're playing so well. And, um, you know, I, I think they've got a really good chance to win, but, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a really good game. It'd be an interesting one to watch. Well, yeah, Dowling advanced with a 52-38 to win over Davenport uh, North on Monday. Uh, they got 25 points and 12 rebounds from Zedeker. And I don't know if Zedeker is the best player in the state, but, boy, the second half of the season, I don't know if anyone has been better than her. Well, what she does for her team, she's definitely one of the most valuable players. You know, I'm not going to talk about who's best, but um, 
what she does for them and how they're set up. She's had a phenomenal year and, you know, she's only a sophomore. And, you know, I think Johnson's got their, about their whole team back too. So a lot of really, really good young players. When you mentioned the Pleasant Valley's defense, and I know some people, myself included, may have pointed at the Spartan schedule and wondered if they were legitimate, that, but they showed on Monday with a 43-28 to 28 win over Valley that, you know, they're ranked number one for a reason. Uh, this is obviously a, a better PV team than the unbeaten one that you guys beat uh, over there in that regional final about four years ago, isn't it? I would probably say so. You know, I haven't really watched them play, but I would say so. I think Valley, it was a one-point game with Valley earlier in the year, and they're long and they're athletic, and, you know, against that zone, um, can be tough to score again for sure, but Dowling's got some good shooters. So, um, and if you know, however moves on, but, you know, Johnson's got some great shooters too. So, it's a great Final Four. It's four really good teams, that's for sure. Yeah, it should be a fun day of basketball. I'm looking forward to it. I'll see you down there, Coach. Good luck tomorrow. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. You bet. All right, listening to the Yankee Fanatic Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Coldwell Banker Mid America. At Coldwell Banker, you're not one of many clients. You're our most important client. We listen to your needs to develop long-lasting relationships and provide the best services, professional support, and resources in the industry. We are constantly exploring new and innovative ways to elevate your experience and exceed your expectations. Our network of resources allows us to be the number one Coldwell Banker franchise affiliate in Iowa, guiding you home for over 30 years. All right, well, my final guest tonight is a realtor at Coldwell Banker, and this is his debut on the podcast. He is Cody Pazza. Cody, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? Great. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Well, it's a nice day today. Can't complain about this, huh? Absolutely. We'll take it in February or March now, I guess, March 1st. So, yeah. For sure. Well, yeah, it's March Madness. We're, we talk a lot of basketball on the podcast uh, today, and, of course, we got uh, March Madness coming to Des Moines here in a couple of weeks with the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's kind of exciting for this town, isn't it? It is. It is. It brings a great crowd, and uh, always good to see the – all the different fans and everybody around, so absolutely. Yeah, I've gone to the games in the past, and I got tickets again this year. I'm looking forward to it. I got three different buddies that want to go to the games with me, and I'm hoping either Iowa or Iowa State can, can get placed there, but I know it's probably a long shot. But it's always a fun time anyway, just with the crowds and everything. It's just, it's, it's just so cool. Absolutely, yes. Always good to see the in-state rivals. For sure. <laughs> Well, I don't know if it's a busy time of year for you, but what's going on in your real estate world right now? You know, it is. It's, it's staying busy. It's, uh, you know, for, for being March and the early part of the year, we're still staying really busy. Um, the, the Coldwell Banker side of things, we launched a, a land farm acreage division, so that's been great. That's, you know, we, we do a lot on the residential side. Everybody thinks of us as the residential brokerage for houses and stuff, which we do and we do well, uh, but then launched this land farm acreage, so kind of focusing a little bit more on that side of it, and I kind of help out with that that division. Sure. So, yeah, you bet. Well, um, how long have you been at Coldwell Banker? Uh, I've been at Coldwell for 10 years or 11 years now, um, selling real estate for 18. Okay. So which office do you work out of most of the time? I'm the downtown office. So right where the craziness is happening. Oh, okay. <laughs> Down right. at the East Village. Yep. Downtown Des Moines. So do you, do you get up this way very much or? I do. Yep. I do. I, I used to sell quite a bit up here. It's, it seems like it's, it's funny to me in Ankeny, it's always growing. It, <laughs> it is. just continuously grows. <laughs> well, I like to ride my bike around town when the weather's nice and I'm just always amazed at all the new developments going up. I, you know, I ride down this street. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that was here. It's just right. it's crazy. <laughs> it is. It is nuts. It is nuts, but it's good. It's a good thing. Yeah. Do you have any specific uh, developments that you'd like to push that people are interested in taking a look at? Not right now a ton. Um, I mean, all of it seems like it's booming and we're running out of land. Uh, <laughs> so that's why I think the land farm acreage side, uh -huh. we don't do a ton of the development side. It's more, you know, it's, it's farm ground. It's going to be farm ground, you know, stay farm ground. Um, so that's kind of more our bread and butter on that side of things. But development wise, I know we've got, you know, we represent some builders up here and, and kind of do the, 
the dis- development side of things around here, but all of them. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, with the weather starting to improve now and the, and the temperatures rising, I mean, do, do you find business picking up a little bit because people probably are more wanting to get outside and, and look at homes maybe? Yes, yes. This is kind of the, anytime we get these nice days, this is when the weather really kind of helps us out and people start getting spring fever and wanting to get out in their yards. And if they realize their yard's not big enough or something different that they want or they want a yard, uh, it kind of helps out in the, the market-wise and sure. not tracking snow is a good thing in the houses. <laughs> sure. Well, hey, Cody, thanks a lot for coming in today. I appreciate it. You bet. Thank you very much for having me. You bet. All right. You've been listening to the Yankee Fanatic Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Coldwell Banker Mid-America. I want to thank my guests again for coming in today. We had the basketball coaches, uh, boys coach Bob Fontana from Centennial, and girls coach Scott DeYoung from Centennial, uh, taking a look at uh, next week's uh, boys' state tournament and also previewing uh, tomorrow's girls' uh, state tournament uh, showdowns at the well. I also want to thank Cody Pazza from Coldwell Banker for stopping by. Uh, next week, I'm not sure what day we'll be doing uh, the podcast with the boys' tournament uh, being on Wednesday, but I'm sure we'll uh, figure out something. So come back uh, next week for another edition of the Ankeny Fanatic Weekly Podcast.